0: You're listening to Sex Without Fear, where we talk sex, society, and everything in between. Hit that subscribe button right now on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, and catch us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fear. I'm your host, Amber Radical, and I'm a trauma-informed birth worker and activist in Northern California. And to learn more and support my many projects, visit amberradical.com. That's one R-A-M-B-E-R-A-D-I-C-A-L.com. As promised, I'm here to do my birth story for the first episode of season two. I'm personally excited because it was like the best day of my life, right? But I am actually, um, I just feel like it's relevant for this podcast because sex leads to babies, right? And I actually got the name for this podcast, as I said in previous episodes, from the birth group called Birth without fear, which really inspired me for my second birth um, at home after I had had a traumatic hospital birth that was supposed to be a home birth. So, this was my third baby, and I'm actually going to start way back because I think that there's a lot of relevant info in this birth story. It came full circle, and not just to help you guys understand where I've been for the last year or actually where I've been for the last three years mentally, um, I just think that there's a lot of you out there who might be having babies, thinking about having babies, or had babies, and are misinformed about a lot of things to do with birth. As I said before, I'm a birth doula, so I'm a little bit obsessed about birth. I could talk about it for days and days, but I hope that this doesn't just attract birthing people, but... Everybody, because I think people should care about maternal health. We are the ones raising the next generation and we need healthy moms to have healthy babies. And I think a lot of parts of my story might resonate with you. Uh, My pregnancy had a little bit of everything and it started out under some not so great circumstances with grief, and the pregnancy was unexpected, and I've never had an unexpected pregnancy before. So I'm just going to kind of jump in, but I'm going to start way back. So I've spoken a little bit in the um, episode that I did with Naya, where we talked about trauma and eating disorders. And I can't even remember everything that I said in there, but to give a little bit of back history, I really came to terms with the fact that I had an eating disorder that I didn't realize two years ago. This time, two years ago, it seems to be this is the relevant time in my life where I kind of, I don't know, Scorpio season as a Scorpio, I tend to go through little miniature revolutions. I don't know. Anyways, I'm not going to spiral there. So two years ago, I came to terms with the fact that my eating disorder had stemmed quite a bit from some of the trauma from my childhood and my family. And I realized that there were certain family members that were still triggering me pretty deeply. And I just wasn't going to be able to move past this mountain of an eating disorder without cutting them out first. And I wasn't sure if it would be permanent or not, but I knew that I couldn't get through this If I was going to be continuing to have a relationship with them, because every time that I was on the phone with them, uh, it would make me spiral. And my eating disorder was really um, based in anxiety. So removing the biggest source of anxiety out of my life really freed up some space to find some healing and just get get back at least to like (laughs) the basics of eating breakfast and things like that. I just, um, I wanted to be better even if it wasn't going to be perfect. So I started there. So that was two years ago and I was really doing great. I found that a lot of my mental health improved overall once I faced that eating disorder. So then a whole year later I was doing really well and In my last episode, I touched on how I lost all three of my grandparents back to back and I was not eating and I really gave myself grace. I knew I wouldn't be okay for a little bit and I didn't have the mental space to take on um, putting my eating disorder on the list of things to be thinking about. I was just consumed with memories of my grandparents and grief is just it's like really beautiful and tragic at the same time. It's like you're feeling a lifetime of love that you felt over the course of your whole life all compacted into one time. And it was like, I was thinking about things I hadn't even thought about in years, the color of their carpet or the way that my grandma grew her fingernails out and how they sounded when they tapped on tapped on the table. I Grief is, if you haven't been through it, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but it also, if you have been going through it, I just want to remind you of all the beautiful parts because you feel all of that grief because of how loved you are. And I just needed time to be in that place of sadness and regret and all of the feelings that come with it. So I was going to be graceful with myself and not beat myself up for not eating. I didn't feel like eating and I wanted to just have a minute. And next thing I know, you know, my first grandma died October 5th, and I believe that my baby was conceived November 5th, the weekend of my second grandmother's death. And by this point, I this goes into how I found out I was pregnant. I was less than 90 pounds when I got pregnant. I really wasn't having periods regularly. I and one who usually tracks their cycle very well, and not only was I distracted with grief and just not really thinking about where my body was, but I also just like wasn't really having a cycle anyways, so me being late on my period was nothing really like shocking. That wasn't the first um, indicator that I was pregnant, but I'm a chronic tester because I care about my menstrual health. I tend to test for ovulation and make sure my body's ovulating so I have OPKs all the time and have for years I keep them which are ovulation predictor kits I keep them you know in my bathroom and I knew that I wasn't even really ovulating which I guess is probably why I was kind of slipping up on like not having the most protected sex I also probably was okay if a baby came I was just kind of in that place and just not really thinking about it and the night that my son was probably conceived was a night where I was just trying to not think about anything that was going on (laughs) it was conceived on a good time we make we make jokes about that I I was out with friends all night having fun and pretty intoxicated you know just trying to feel a little bit normal for a night so fast forward to the day that I found out I was pregnant it was Thanksgiving week and we were traveling to my partner's mom's house. She still lives in his childhood home. And I think that that's like such a cool full circle for him and his mother to have like experienced together. Not that she knew what was going on when I found out, but we were taking a trip and it was so weird because my kids were wanting to color and they had these like activity books that I'd brought for the trip and they didn't have any crayons. They only had markers and I didn't want them using markers. And so in my head, I was like, I really just need to run to like the local dollar store and buy some crayons. And I was really craving Cheetos, which probably isn't even that abnormal for me, but I like couldn't stop thinking about these cheetos and frankly like i had been stuck in a car with my kids for six hours and so i was like please let me go to the dollar store by myself to buy some crayons and cheetos i'll be back like hang out with my kids um so i like left my partner with his mom and my kids and on the way to the dollar store like i made a joke with myself and i was like oh i'm like three days late on my period and i'm craving these cheetos like what are the chances I'm pregnant? Ha ha ha. And I was like, well, I am late. Like, I always like to test just to know, even though, you know, with my eating disorder, I wasn't having very regular periods. Um, so I got to the store and I decided to buy like a little dollar store test there. And I've taken a thousand pregnancy tests in my life. Like I've dealt with infertility and a lot of miscarriages. So I don't know I'm, I'm one of those who obsesses over you know trying to find the line and I take them all apart and shine them up to the light and make sure nothing faint is there uh, you know whether I'm trying to have a baby or not try to have a baby so I get the test and I get back to his house and I feel like I'm like in trouble right like I'm bringing this pregnancy test into my parents house even though I'm 30 and I go into the bathroom And by this point, I'm like, wow, my nipples are really hurting. Like, my boobs never hurt. Like, what's... This is weird. Like, what are the chances? But, like, I can't even express to you how much I did not think I was actually pregnant. Like, my infertility... I just... I don't know. It's very hard for me to conceive babies. And then when I do get pregnant, I tend to not be able to keep them very long. I've had a lot of miscarriages. So... I just I wasn't even excited I just anyways so I go to the bathroom pee on the test set it on the counter I remember like worrying way more about like oh my god I can't leave pregnancy test trash in his mom's bathroom she's gonna think I'm nuts like so I'm trying to figure out like where I can stash the wrapper other than her trash can because like she's obviously gonna see someone's gonna see and I'm gonna look crazy so I'm like rushing around the bathroom like trying to find the the trash I actually had like peed on my own hand which like never happens to me like I in all the years of taking pregnancy tests I've never peed on myself but I peed on myself this time so I'm washing my hands trying to like stash this trash honestly not even looking at the test and I'm someone who like stands over it and watches the lines go you know and so I'm like scurrying around and I'm like oh okay I'm gonna I'm going to stash this test in my luggage. So I go to like grab the test to like throw it away because I already assumed it was negative. And I see two bright ass red lines and I literally dropped it and screamed like a teenager, like in the movies. I just screamed and I like covered my mouth and I was just like speechless to myself. I was in shock. and I was like, what the fuck? Like, even the times when I've been pregnant, I've tended to, like, lose them so fast. Like, those lines are never that dark. I couldn't believe how bright those lines were. (laughs) And so I just stand there for a minute, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell my partner. Not right now. It's Thanksgiving week. And, like, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Like, this was such an unplanned pregnancy. Like, my first thought was, like, am I going to keep this baby? I've never had that thought before, but I was like... I don't even know if this is the right time. I'm sick. I'm grieving. I am working full time. My kids are getting older. I was really considering possibly tying my tubes. And here I am with a positive pregnancy test. Unplanned. Surprise. And my partner is like outside. Coloring with crayons with my kids. Totally clueless. And so... I was at first gonna just keep it to myself and then I realized I can't go out there and pretend to everybody that I'm perfectly okay (laughs) so I'm just like not that good of an actor so I like open the door and I'm like hey babe babe come here (laughs) and I call him into the bathroom and I close the door and I just break down. I just start crying, like hyperventilating. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'll never forget because he was like, it's okay. That's our baby. And I was just like so shocked. I was so shocked at like how much better he took it than I did. I was so surprised. And I was just like, are you serious? You, you want this baby? Like we did not plan this. And, you know, he seemed really confident. And I was just like, he's like, you know, any, all of this is your decision, but I'll back you on anything. And I'm, I'm here for it, you know, either way, all the way. I was like, okay. And, you know, we decided we obviously weren't going to tell his mom or the kids right then, because one, we needed time alone to process it and talk about things. And then two, like, I lose babies and so I didn't want to get everyone excited for nothing, you know. I wanted some time for the pregnancy to develop and know that I was okay. And so that night, you know, we were headed to the county fair there. And I remember like we aren't talking, but we're like we had been making a lot of faces at each other, you know. And we show up there and it seems like everybody has a baby. Everyone is like has a baby in a little baby carrier or stroller. And every time like we're holding hands through the place and like I would feel him squeeze my hand and we would just look at each other with eyes like I felt like a 15 year old pregnant secretly, you know, and just like scared and shocked and just like couldn't believe this. So that was how I found out I was pregnant and what's so funny is my kids had been asking for a sibling for a while and we'd been like no we're gonna get you a puppy instead so for Christmas right around that time I was like what do you guys want for Christmas and they're like we want a baby sister like oh my goodness and so since I had found out right in that time, I decided we're going to keep this a secret until Christmas. Like how perfect this is going to be my last baby. Everybody always wants that Christmas announcement. So let's do this. So his mom was coming up for Christmas. She was going to stay with us with my kids. So it was going to be great. We were going to tell his mom he's an only child. So this was going to be the only grandchild ever first grandbaby, you know, and my kids were gonna get their ultimate Christmas wish I mean all the way to Christmas Eve they were asking me for a sibling I couldn't believe it so I like got his mom like a little ornament that said grandma established 2022 and I got the kids um I got my oldest son a shirt that said big brother again and I got my youngest son a shirt that said youngest at the time, um, promoted to big brother. So I had them open it Christmas Eve, because I always get them pajamas on Christmas Eve to open so that they can open something that night. So I got them little pajama pants to go with it. And I totally have a video of this um, out in the YouTube world. (laughs) But I had them like opening it. And it was so funny, because I could tell his mom thought, that I got her an ornament to like call her the grandma of my kids, you know, like something sweet. And she's like, oh, that's sweet. And she watches the boys open their shirts. And that's when it hit her. And the kids were like, big brother again, big brother, like, what do you mean? And she's like, I know what that means. And she's like waiting for them to figure it out. And my oldest, you know, he figures it out. And he's like, I was like, well, what would make you a big brother again? And he's like, uh, is there a baby in your belly? And I was like, yeah, there's a baby in my belly. And my youngest like must have not heard and he's still trying to figure it out. And so his little face when he figured it out and I was like, yes, there's a baby in my belly right now. His face was just shocked, you know, and they were just so excited. They couldn't believe it. It was definitely like definitely my like top favorite moments ever, you know? So that was kind of how, you know, we told everyone I waited a little while. it's was the longest I ever waited to announce my pregnancy. And, um, you know, we told everybody else on new year's actually. So, you know, we started in on the pregnancy there. I have hyperemesis. I'm extremely sick with all of my pregnancies. So for the next like several months after that I mostly just spent puking constantly watching unsolved mysteries in bed and growing a baby Uh, I planned for my last home birth and um, I had a great fantastic midwife I'm always happy to answer questions about home birth and we kind of had to keep preparing for the worst during my pregnancy. I had placenta previa, which means the placenta is lying over the cervix, and if it doesn't move, um, you have it's an automatic C-section. And thankfully, it moved just in time for the baby to flip breech. And in California, you can't deliver babies vaginally breech. And thank God he finally fucking flipped after I. Did all kinds of handstands and um, I had a friend come wiggle my belly a bunch and do all the things and he finally flipped and stayed down finally and then um, my iron was too low to deliver at home and I went through crazy things like I was on like 50 supplements to try to get my iron up only for it to go down Uh, and then the physician overseeing my midwife basically said like it's gonna be okay She might have been dehydrated during her test, but um, you know, we can't do anything. She's right on the edge. So they kind of let me fly through with my iron. I ended up being strep B positive, which meant I was going to need an IV. And (laughs) to be honest, like one of the main reasons I want a home birth is to avoid IVs. And here I was going to have to have an IV at my home birth. And my, my birth before this one, the entire labor from first contraction to when he was in my arms was two hours and 20 minutes. So I was really expecting this baby to like fly out. So we had been preparing, um, in case he was born before anybody could get here. So we had done a lot of preparing for that, which really messed with, um, getting an IV of antibiotics for the strep B. So, cause you have to have it within so many hours before the baby's actually born, or you have to do another dose and, yada, yada, yada. Then I had predominal labor again, which predominal labor is like kind of like what we call false labor, but we're kind of doing away with that term because there's no such thing as fake labor. Your body is doing work. It's preparing, even if it stops and goes, stops and goes. So about like 30, God, 32, 34 weeks, um, I started going into labor, And I knew that it was predominant labor and that the baby wasn't coming and I'd be okay. But the contractions were really strong. And sometimes they would get pretty consistent, especially if I was dehydrated. So the hospital had given me meds to stop the labor. Uh, And it just kind of kept going off and on, off and on. And I really just, it puts everyone on edge. Everyone's kind of staring at you, waiting for the baby to come you know i would have like 8 hours of hard labor be like oh the baby's coming the baby's coming it would start in the afternoon go through all night and then when the sun came up it would fizzle out my midwife lived an hour and a half away and we did have backup in town so i knew i'd be safe but i hated putting her through false alarms she would come um drive all the way here only for it to be a false alarm and i was like losing my shit a little bit you know like i trust the process of labor and I was okay I didn't mind being overdue it was just kind of you know the it felt like the baby was pranking us over and over and over and I just felt guilty putting my midwife through that even though you know she was wonderful there was no no harm no foul there so predominal labor went on and on and I you know everyone's like you're gonna have this baby early and I was like no I'm not this is just what my body does I'm gonna go overdue My baby before this one was born 40 weeks, three days. So once I hit 40 weeks, three days, I was like, okay, this baby, this baby better come because this is as long as I've ever been pregnant. I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Uh, I even thought my water broke one morning, which if you're a woman who's been pregnant, like, and you think your water breaks, You know the variety of things that it can be, and yes, it was those things, and not my water breaking, which is great, because you always like to tell everybody that your water broke, and it didn't. So I spent many days walking around our garden, up and down our steps, anywhere that I could, lots of walking, spicy foods, telling my baby to get out. I hated that suggestion every time that someone was like, have you tried telling the baby that it's time to come out? I wanted to like rip their faces off. Like, I'm not going to talk to the baby. (laughs) But anyways, we just tried enjoying our last few moments together as, you know, a couple with no little babies. You know, it was my partner's first baby, even though it was my third And finally, okay, so 40 plus four, I think, I really, like, the predominant labor hit real hard, and I was like, okay, this is it. And by, like, midnight, I had, like, my partner's mom had come up on my due date, so she had been there for four days by this point, and, um my partner, I sent him across town to pick my kids up from their dad at midnight. He stopped for some ice cream. (laughs) And, you know, I'm in my bedroom just screaming. I'm a loud birther. (laughs) And, you know, I labored all night. And then come like 3 a.m it kind of fizzles again and I was like, oh my god, I can't keep doing this. I started really like losing momentum. I was like my life was stopping you know like I had to sleep all day because I'm laboring all night with no outcome and I'm just exhausted and I really felt like I needed time alone like the primal animal in me was really coming out and I was like, I just want everyone to leave me alone. I need to f- listen to my body and feel my baby and feel where I'm at with this. And in California, you can't deliver at home after 42 weeks. The midwives can't, you know, help you. And because I hemorrhage at all of my births, I'm not comfortable birthing unassisted. Um, that's just my birth history. I hemorrhage, you know, that was why we were so concerned about my iron. And so, you know, I... Was very concerned by this point that maybe I was going to be pregnant forever. (laughs) I think we all think that. And I was going to, you know, make it to 42 weeks and have to deliver in the hospital after all of this, after all the money and the time and the effort and the believing in birth. And like, I'm a doula and I'm still very much vulnerable to that feeling that it's going to be forever. My body can't do this, you know? So that whole night that was 40 plus four, I wake up on 40 plus five and I'm just kind of pissed (laughs) and I was like, well, we'll see what happens today. I said that every day, you know, and come like 5 p.m. The contractions start up again. I'm like, whatever, you know, been through this before and I didn't even alert my midwife or anything I didn't I didn't care and um, I try to just go to sleep and sleep through the contractions see what happens but by 2 a.m. I'm like really moaning in bed you know I'm on I'm on my knees my partner keeps saying like do you need anything can I do anything I love you and I'm just like afraid to tell anybody this is it you know so I want to say yeah about three in the morning I get in the bathtub just to see if I can get rid of some of the pain I'm just screaming I know that I'm keeping everybody in the house awake I know his mom's not sleeping she's wondering if I'm having a baby you know and I'm not and I remember like at one point my youngest son at that time youngest son walks in he's seven and he's like mom are you dying And I'm like no I'm not dying like are you sure because you're screaming like you're dying like I'm not dying I feel like I'm dying (laughs) but go away (laughs) and you know it meant a lot to me like the the biggest thing that I could not surrender to was the idea of you know transferring and the biggest reason behind that was I wanted my boys to be there wanted them to see me give birth I wanted them to be there for their siblings you know, first breath. We didn't know what the baby was, by the way. So my boys, my youngest especially, was really hoping the baby would be a girl. I mean, like, he told me he was praying to God every night and that if it was already a boy, if he just prayed hard enough, God would change it to a girl. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear little baby sounds, but I've got a baby nursing here. So you might hear little baby squeaks. So by 5 a.m., I send my midwife a text and she had made it very clear not to text her if I thought the baby was coming that I need to call her because you know the ringer is on but she only checks her text like every couple hours throughout the night you know whenever she rolls over she sees if she has a text so I texted about 5 a.m and I was like the labor's not fizzling out you know uh, I'll call you if I feel like this is it and so I don't call and it's like 6 37 and she calls me and she's like you know how do you feel and I tell her like this fucking sucks I hate this I can't do this another day this is so dumb and she's like you know what I'm gonna come check on you I'm like but what if this isn't it and you drive all the way here and it's it's nothing you know she's like well I'm gonna eat some breakfast and then I'm gonna head down off the mountain, and." Just come evaluate baby. You've been laboring really hard. If you're exhausted, you know, maybe we can talk about options. Maybe you can go to the hospital and just get a little bit induced and just be done with this if you want. Or, you know, I'm just, I want to see how your vitals are doing and how baby's heart rate's doing. I'm like, okay. So, you know, we had been texting about 7. So she got here about 930 and when she got here okay pause before she got here I called my best friend who's been at all of my labors or she called me to check on me maybe and you know she'd been at all of my births she's a photographer too so she was my birth photographer and videographer and she you know it's probably eight thirty-nine when she calls and she's like Hey, how are you feeling? And I just break down. I don't know if it's just that she's my comfort person, but um, I just tell her I feel like giving up. I can't do this another day. And she said, "I think you're about to have your baby." You know, I've I've been at all of your births now, and she had been there the day before. Um, doing some maternity photos for me while I was in labor. She did one last maternity photo idea that she had with these flowers. And she's like, you know, I think you're going to have this baby right now. I'm going to come. And I was like, don't take off work for this. I don't think the baby's coming yet. Like I'll feel so bad if you get here and it fizzles out. She's like, don't worry. Like she's a therapist. So she's like, worst case scenario, I cancel on one client for an hour. And if you're not having the baby, I'll leave. I was like, okay. Cause like, I just, I feel so bad. I feel like it's false labor, but I, I want you here to hold my hand because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hurting and I'm sad, you know, she's like, okay. So she, she comes in, she comes into my bedroom and I'm puking. And she said to my partner, she's having this baby right now. Where's the midwife? And I'm like, she's on her way. You know, it takes an hour and a half to get here. And she's like, who's the backup midwife? I need their number right now. And she's, you know, a birth photographer. So she's very familiar with all of the midwives here. So, you know, she starts getting her phone out to possibly call the backup midwife because she's convinced I'm like about to have this baby. And right after that, my actual midwife gets here. And so, yeah, like I said, she got here about 930. She started setting up her computer to do some charting and she took some heart tones. And I said, I'm so glad you're here because I feel like I need to poop and I don't want to start to try to poop on the toilet and then my baby come out and you not be here. So now that you're here, I'm going to go try to take a shit. And I'm a birth doula, so I know that the moment a woman says that she needs to poop, she's having her baby. But even like with all of that knowledge, I was still so convinced that this labor was going to stop and all of this was a trick because of predominal labor that I didn't believe it for myself, even though that's exactly how my other son was born too. So she's like, yeah, go ahead. Go try to take a shit. I'm going to listen to the baby's heart. And I sit on the toilet and I try to push... And I was like, oh shit, I'm pushing the baby out. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, that's what we thought. So that was like my first like little urge to push. And then I got fucking terrified. And I was like, oh my God, I'm about to push this baby out. And I had honestly been still so in shock that I was even pregnant that I had not believed that I was going to have this baby. I it's so crazy to say and think about now, but it's true. So I get on the bed and I have this like total mental block. I cross my legs and I tell my midwife, I am way too scared to do this. And she's like, what are you scared of? I'm like that it's going to hurt. And she's like, yeah, it's going to hurt. There's no comfort here anymore. And I was just like, fuck, like, it's kind of holding him in you know and by this point it's like 10 and I was like ten fifteen, something like that and I'm like oh fuck you know and I have like a couple more really strong contractions I'm really just like cussing and just like feel like I'm gonna you know have a breakdown oh hi are you saying hi hello <laughs> Yeah. So I remember having one really big contraction on the bed. And that's where I want to have the baby. And I look at her and I'm like, what are the chances that I'm going to do this all over again tomorrow? And she just looked at me and she was like, I can tell by your baby's heart tones, you're having this baby right now. There's no going back. You are having this baby. And that's when I just kept repeating, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I'm having a baby. I feel like I processed my entire pregnancy right then in that moment. And so my contractions also never picked up very close together, you know, the way that they're supposed to. And I feel like that happened at all my births, actually. So they were really staying between six to 10 minutes apart. So pushing took me a little bit, even though you know, I only pushed a few times. Those contractions in between pushes were so far apart that, you know, three contractions was a half an hour. So um I got on the bed and right about then my water broke. And I was like, oh, you know, and then the baby's head is right against your cervix then. There's no there's no denying the pain then, you know. So I'm I'm pretty like hysterically screaming. And I can feel him like going down quite a bit and I'm very good at pushing, not with my first because I had the epidural and you can't feel yourself push. But my second and third babies, I was very efficient at pushing. I could tell exactly what I needed to do and I didn't hesitate, you know, at that point. So it burns. I remember right when he was crowning. I looked at my midwife and remember I told you she got there at 9:30. My son was born at 10:55. So, thank God she decided to come because I was in denial while pushing that he was even coming. So I'm really glad that she came. And I remember looking between my legs and there's there she is. And the head was crowning at like the whitest part at that point, I could tell. And it was, you know, burning the ring of fire, as they call it. And I remember looking at her as my like favorite moment of this birth. And I couldn't speak. I was like, you know, in the type of pain where you're in shock and you're disassociated. And you're just trying to push through it so that it'll be over. And I see her face. And I swear to God, she could read my mind. And I like telepathically asked her if I was still alive. Because I felt like I was dying. I felt like my body was splitting in half. And she just looked at me, even though I didn't say anything. And she said, yes. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I knew I was still alive, so I could keep doing it. And I just pushed one more time. And finally, his head came out. And in my birth video, you just see me go, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And everyone starts laughing. And I was like, I just worked so fucking hard to get that head out. You know, it hurts so goddamn bad. (laughs) And so his head is out. And I've been on a lot of births. And so I know how midwives communicate because they have to keep the energy calm. And they can't let you worry about your baby. But when an emergency happens, they have to be very serious and clear and you have to listen to them. And instinct to save your baby overcomes any pain that you're having. So his head was out for a while and I wasn't having another contraction to push his body out. And she said, you know, if you have another push, you can push your baby out. And I was like, "Okay, well, I don't have one yet. And she's like, "Okay," And then we hear him cry on the perineum. Which I've never witnessed at a birth. And so his head is out, and I'm hearing him cry, and I'm just overjoyed. I just start, you know, sobbing. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. That's my baby. That's my baby. And she like stops that precious moment and she's like, I need you to get on on your knees right now and have this baby. And I knew what that fucking meant. I knew my baby wasn't okay. And what happened was you know, he was stuck. He wasn't turning. The baby's head comes out, and then their whole body is supposed to twist and turn as they come out, and he wasn't turning, and he was turning a bit purple, and the kind of funny thing is that in every sonogram I got of him, his little hand was up by his face, like up in a fist, like he's cuddling up against his hand, and we had made jokes my whole pregnancy, like, what if he tries to come out that way, you know, and my midwife was like, well, he might, but let's hope not, you know, and they call that shoulder dystocia, and that is exactly what fucking happened, so he got stuck, I had to flip over, I flipped over so fast, it was like the pain shut off, and I just had to get shit done, I flipped over, and (laughs) I've watched this birth video so many times, so my midwife stuck her hand in, and tried to swipe his arm down and she swiped it down and then he shoved it right back up and then there was no time to sit there and play with him again she just had to start yanking him out and you hear me scream like holy mother fucking god as i think is what i screamed and then he was out and he was perfect we didn't know what he was i just put him right up on my chest I knew it. He was the whole time. Like I kept trying to prepare my son like, oh, what if it's a boy though? And he's like, no, we're having a girl. (laughs) So, you know, he comes out. I'm just overjoyed. I just keep saying like, I did it. I can't believe I did it. You know, everyone in the room is crying and I let my little one come over and, and announce the, the sex of the baby. And I'm like, do you want to tell everyone what it is? And he's like, it's a boy. (laughs) And he was like, he did so well at not ruining that moment then, but it didn't take long for him to say, but I wanted a girl and he's seven, you know, and then right after he's out, he's like, where's the placenta? (laughs) Like it's still inside of me. No. Um, so he did, you know, we were great. I did hemorrhage. I got two shots of Pitocin. I was totally fine though. And, um, I went a little bit into shock and instead of transferring to the hospital, I opted to have a placenta smoothie where they take, you know, just like a quarter size piece of your placenta and they put it into an entire smoothie. You don't taste it. You're fine. After that, you know, my color started to come back. I started to feel a lot better and I was fine. So I didn't need to transfer. Um, yeah. And that was how my son was born. We named him Sonny. Uh, His middle names are after Ozzy Osbourne and the Ramones. So his name is Sonny Oz Ramone. And everything has been wonderful. He was a tiny one. He was 6 pounds, 14 ounces. And everything has been fucking perfect since I have been living in my little newborn bliss bubble. (laughs) Uh, My kids are happy. My partner's happy. The baby's healthy. I honestly, I can't ask for a better life, a better postpartum. I'm so grateful for my partner who didn't make me make myself a single meal. Like he made every single meal for me while I was pregnant and postpartum. He still does. He's supportive of our breastfeeding. Um, He just takes care of me so I can take care of the baby and everything is good. I'm just very lucky and I'm very grateful. And he's such a light in our life during all the grief that I was experiencing. My dad found out he had cancer in the middle of my pregnancy. You know, I lost three of my grandparents that helped raise me. Um, There's just so much grief going on in my life. I was estranged from my family that I had to cut out from my eating disorder and I'm still estranged from them. Uh, I lost a relationship with my sister, who I'm very close with, for whatever reasons. And I just felt very alone in a lot of ways. But it was so healing. Everything was perfect. He's been such a joy for me. It was like the universe knew that in this time where I felt like I was losing everything, I got everything. I got the world, you know. And it, I love it. I love the newborn bubble. Babies are perfect. I'm very very happy. And update on the eating disorder, I'm doing amazing. I've lost all the baby weight that I was going to lose. And so the weight that I'm at now is, you know, what I'm at is what I'm resting at. And it's 25 pounds heavier than where I was. And it's a perfect normal weight for my height. And I've never, ever, ever seen triple digits on the scale, you know, not pregnant. And now I'm way above you know, a hundred pounds and I feel great. My body feels great. And it's just amazing what a good partner in your life can do for you and what healing your trauma can do for you and taking tangible steps to like remove the things that are keeping you, you know, nothing's holding me back anymore. Nothing is keeping me at this like what stress toxic stress does to your body like when you live in a constant state of stress and anxiety it just destroys your body and it's just amazing to see myself on the other side when I I used to say I didn't know what healed was and that maybe there was no like end and that you're just always healing and you're always moving forward And it's always a struggle and that like the word healed is made up, but like I completely disagree now. And I would definitely say that like healed is what I am and where I am. And I just like wish this experience for everyone. I have strong feelings about how you really shouldn't bring a baby into the world if you're not in a place to do so. And I don't say that out of judgment anymore or at all, but from experience now that I can, I've had kids, quote unquote, before I was ready. Uh, and I did just fine. I don't regret it. My kids are happy and healthy. And, you know, we went through ups and downs and all the normal stuff. I couldn't afford everything, but that was okay. They had what they needed. And all of that was like good enough. But having a baby, when you are more financially stable, mature enough to handle it, like being in my thirties this time, instead of at nineteen, and having a, the best partner instead of a good enough partner, and having you know a good support system, being a little bit more prepared, knowing what to expect, and then having a bigger space between my children this time, um, this baby and the one before. Are seven years apart whereas my oldest and my middle child are only two year, two and a half years apart and it's vastly different my children my older kids they're independent they can get their own snacks and their own meals and they can get themselves ready for school they're in school all of those things made a huge difference for my mental and physical health this time and I was able to just really heal the way that I needed to and because of that, you know, I'm not experiencing postpartum depression. I ha- I don't have a, you know, raging anxiety. I'm just so fucking happy. And I want that for you. So my advice for you is to make sure that you're in a good place to have a baby and don't rush it. Don't think it all works out. All of that is fantasy. Having a baby is very real and you've got you've got to be in in the right place to do it. It's worth it. It's worth the wait. I wish I could speak to myself when I was nineteen. That's all I have to say. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my birth story. Me and Sunny are doing great, and I am going to keep making episodes now because we're in a great place. Like he's been sitting in my lap this whole time nursing, and um, I can't wait for the season. I'm, anyways. I'm gonna just assume that you're all congratulating me right now. (laughs) And yeah, okay, let's move on with this next season. Thanks for listening to my birth story. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope it wasn't horribly graphic um, for you. I hope that it inspires people to consider home birth and feel safe knowing that complications are safe with midwives. They are competent providers they are not capable of doing everything that a doctor can, but they're happy to transfer you if you need more and in, more um, individualized specialty care. But they are individualized specialty care in their own ways. Uh, shout out to my midwife; she's amazing, and i would I would drop her info if she was taking more clients, but she's not right now. Um, but yeah, consider all of your birth options, plan your babies, think about your birth before you're even pregnant. That is my advice. And since this podcast is about sex, don't forget that sex leads to babies for reals. Like use use protection if you don't want a baby because newsflash, they happen even if, even if you're not having periods, <laughs> learn from me. Surprise. Uh, I'm very lucky that my surprise baby came into a situation that was happy and healthy and welcoming. So, you know, I'm just fucking lucky, man. Can't even tell you. So, all right, I'm going to stop rambling. Thanks again for listening to the story. And, um... Yeah, I know I have the intro on here that's going to be plugged in with my info, but check out my website for my birth services. I am now teaching a lot of childbirth education classes virtually, so I have a lot of listeners all over the world right now. Oddly enough, I have a lot of listeners in Germany. I don't know why, but hi, Germany. Shout out. Thanks for listening. (laughs) And Australia, thanks to the Australian listeners out there, but no matter where you are, if you're feeling comfortable with me, you're already used to my voice. If you want to do childbirth education classes with me, check out my website and contact me. I would love to do, um, you know, a little zoom, little zoom, zoom, um, situation and we'll get you prepared for your birth. I hope that this one like ignited your fire and maybe gave you some baby fever Or if you're already pregnant, is inspiring you to weigh your options and prepare a little bit more for your birth so you can have a great, fantastic birth. You deserve that. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I will meet you at the next podcast.